It's the matchup we've been waiting for for weeks, months even. One side to destroy the other. What am I talking about? Are you talking about Immortal X-Men versus X-Men Red? (laughs) Yes. Yes. But masking it as Uranus slash the Eternals versus Mutant Society. But I know that's not what it is. Welcome to the X-Wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. And I'm Justin the Judgmental. Today, we've got our X-Men Unlimited. Number 46. We've got X-Men 92, House of 92, number 3. Woo! Legion of X, number 4. Immortal X-Men, number 5. And X-Men Red, number 5. Hooey. What a bunch of books. I, I want to tell you, someone called me Judgy Justin today, and that's why I couldn't get it out of my mind, especially talking about Judgmental Justin and Judgment Day. And Someone called you Judgy Justin? Yes. That's kind of hurtful. Kind of, but also I was questioning the fact that they were eating a meatball sub with olives and mustard I... and tomatoes, and, and I was just like, where did this combination come from? I feel Why? uncomfortable by those things together. Exactly, and I was sitting next to him as he was eating it. Hopefully Jeff doesn't listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jeff. Sorry, Jeff. Okay, not judging you, Jeff, just intrigued by your taste choices well let's talk about comics comics we got a lot of the real reason we're about. here not about odd sandwich choices well wait do we have do we have news of course we have news i forgot the news sound last week sad sad i, I will never do that to you again i'm, I'm sorry Gosh, you like gave them something and then you took it away so soon. I do want to tell you all, and we made a mention on our Instagram, Mm. we're having troubles with our Instagram. We're we're fighting the gram We're in some kind of jail. We don't know what we did. And we're unable to to like, comment, or even post in feed. We can only post in stories and we can't react to all your beautiful insights or share ideas. I was going to post something this morning. I was going to post something yesterday and it just... We're not sure what happened, but we're trying to get it fixed. Instagram is very hard to get a hold of. So we just kind of get angry and wait. We're in a waiting game until the 10th. Um, Rufio so, O'Connor said that it happened to him and it was resolved within a day or two. Well, that's good. Here's hoping that it's resolved. But if it's not resolved, just know that we are liking your things and commenting in our hearts. Mentally. And we do have things we want to share with you. Um, I did, in fact, do a full recording of myself reading X-Men Red like I said I would. So we just have to wait. Boom. We just have to wait. News on Marvel Unlimited. Generation X is filling out the full roster. Not not everything is there, but a, a lot more issues. I just want to give a shout out to Mike Loves Mariah Carey for tweeting at them with the power of movement and getting that result for everyone. That's awesome. Gotta love someone fighting for the people. Wastelanders Wolverine, the podcast, Mm -hmm. has about nine episodes up as of right now and will definitely be something that we take a look at this week as we're on vacation, I think. I think so. Are we recording while we're on vacation? I don't know. I literally had that thought today. I I want to. I do too. It's just like, where are we going to do it? Oh, we can find a place. That's fine. I'm going to have to read comics digitally. You fine. I don't like it. Gambit number two has a preview up. 
That's not really news. It's just <laughs> that's facts. I'm excited about Gambit. It was really yeah. good. Yeah. She Hulk is moving to Thursdays, which I don't know if that's any better than Wednesdays. Wednesdays are overloaded as it is with all the great comics. Well, and now just... <laughs> Thursdays we, we get ready for the podcast, record the podcast, and then I edit the podcast. Yeah. So, so like, we still are not going to be able to watch it until in Friday. A manner. Yeah, we're just going to watch it on Friday. But at least there's less time for it to be spoiled. Yeah, that's true. Do you have any predictions on our comics poll for the week? Like what people's favorite book was? Yep. Our three Krakoan options. Even though I, I went back and forth if I would include X-Men 92 because technically it is a Krakoan book, but not the 616 Krakoa. It it hands down has to be X-Men Red. Hands down. Hands down. No to the, contest. To the point where, I mean, there was some contests, and especially later on as we went further, but there were 100% for X-Men Red for a solid two hours or so last night. That's right. But we ended with 68% picking X-Men Red, 25% on Immortal X-Men, and 7 on Legion of X. She's making a very weird sour face. I will tell you how I feel about Immortal X-Men when it's time to talk about Immortal X-Men. Saucy. 1407 Grey Malkin asks, which book did you start with first? Now, I want to ask you that. So, I read them in the order in which they were left out for me, which starts with X-Men 92 and then goes Legion immortal red in my heart i wanted to read legion first and x-men 92 second that's the choice i would have made Ah. but i read them as as they were left for me i mean you you don't have to listen to the order if if you want to deviate from like you like you're laughing like you don't have to i'm saying that to preface the fact that i read x-men red first like i i reckless abandon no I had time on my lunch break after I got the books, and I went straight for X-Men Red, and I have no regrets. I read it multiple times. I think, honestly, the reason, and it's been something that I've been feeling for a few weeks, is that when I'm reading, I I focus on preparation for the podcast, Mm -hmm. and I'm not giving myself enough time to really enjoy the books. Yeah, to just read them. And so I read it to just read it and be a fan, and I loved it. Yeah. That's honestly why I normally will read Spider-Man first if... Spider-Man comes out, or like Daredevil, something that I don't have to talk about on the podcast. Right, that you don't have to think about in depth. Shall we jump into... Yeah, let's start with our Infinity comic. The Digital, Kate's Council, she's bringing up all these good points. I mean, here's the thing. Kate wants to know... What's up? How exactly is X-Men Green toting around pretending to be the X-Men when they're supposed to be in the pit? Yeah, I, mean, I I want to just shout out Destiny's eight ball responses. Reply hazy, try again. Outlook not so good. That I was laughed. hilarious. Yeah, I laughed pretty pretty out loud for those. Props to you, Steve Orlando. And I thought, you know, I was happy to see Kate doing a Kate thing, being in a comic. That was nice for me. She's not dead <laughs> sure. in this story i mean she's in a couple comics this week too alive and well and alive and well just uh, let's let's just talk about these doug faces <laughs> listen i got problems with doug in this issue doug mm. is starting to get on my bad side over here you know when you have the the truth you start to bend it to your will He's is, like, is he falling into the hubris of his his leaders the the people that he was trying to rebel against initially yeah, like, what is this 
I'm just making faces so I can see, I can read all of you reacting the way and like, shush yourself, Doug. Yeah. And then and flat out lying about what lie, happened. Like, you lie. As we see and we know that he is, the one, it, you know, if they capture Curse and Nature Girl and they interrogate them or they do some kind of psychic whammy on them to find out, hey, how'd you get out? Yeah. They're going to see Doug, gonna see Doug was involved. percent I don't know what they're going to do to him just because, hey, he's the island's favorite boy. You know, you need him to be able to communicate with your homeland, respect the sacred land and his boy toy. Yeah, I guess. I just like, I don't know. I feel like he used Krakoa as an excuse and he he was a little too snotty for me with the all all the, oh, my faces, I'm just reading you all. And my language, my own language, you'd never be able to decipher it. So go ahead and try to read my mind. And That's I'm going to yeah. lie right to your faces. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just it really rubbed me the wrong way. It's, I it, wasn't into it. It's It's kind of a balance because... The council does things that rub people the wrong way as well. Of course they do. Sure. And so it's where is the line, especially to someone who sees and knows things happening all throughout the island and is gradually, quickly actually losing control of the situation multiple ways. To, whenever someone goes to check who's in the pit and find it literally empty at this empty. point. There ain't nobody down there. Yeah, I don't know. I just I didn't like it. But it's fine. It's over now. <laughs> and um, horticulture is toasting their success of manipulating, or so they think, manipulating X-Men Green, who are now wearing... Decked out in those fancy suits. Fancy horticulture suits, except for Sauron. Yeah. He's not covering up in shame. He shall not. And they're... I, uh, I do really like them in these suits. It, it's... Against their vibe in terms of, hey, we're, are we X-Men? Are we mutants? Are we maniacal grandmas? I don't know. We're a mixture of the three. All of the above. So basically the end of the issue just sets us up for the next issue, which... The Race Against Crushing Death for Freedom! Dun, dun, dun. Written by Steve Orlando. Art by Amelia Lasso. Colorist Rachel Rosenberg. Letters Joe Sabino. He sees Joe Sabino. Joey... You made your, your thoughts very clear about this one. You know, you, you're respecting your girl, holding it down in the council room, but my boy is doing some wrong. Yeah, I, Doug's being a butthead. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's still... getting too big for his britches over there. I, I would agree with that, but uh, he's got some leeway from me on what he did with Inferno. Yeah, but just... Just just own it. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna let them go because you have some ideological reasons and you and the island are talking about these other things, just own it. What are they gonna do? Are they gonna put you in the pit? Because Krakoa will let you out. Are they gonna kill you? Because then Krakoa will lose its mind, you know? Yeah. What are the consequences for someone in this position? There's no consequences for anyone. That's the real problem. That's the real problem, yes. That's the number one issue. Unless you, you fall asleep and you lose an eyebrow. Oh, God. I can't even. <laughs> Let's talk the about X-Men 92. X-Men 92. I mean, I, I might agree with uh, that order switch. I love this issue. Yeah, I do. You know, swords all around. What was once a sprawling 22-part epic is now just but 22 pages or Which so. Which was am amazing, in my opinion. <laughs> Should have been this way from the start. Uh, you know, it's interesting because I was going back and forth. Do I get... Ten of Swords in a graphic novel. Do I get 
Hot Claws Wolverine. Or do Guess I, what? Just, just get both. He got both. I'm an adult, all right? I do whatever I want. I have adult money. I have adult money and childlike whimsy. <laughs> so first, let's talk about this cover. Swords. I like the cover. Archon. It's, um, you know, looming danger. Yeah, 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 yeah. Epic battle. Classic 90s looks. Feeling very uh, ready to take on the world. So uh, let's give it a page turn noise, shall we? Page turn noise. Sloppy secrets. <laughs> Wolverine is called in to the inner circle as Sabretooth's picking up on something frail. What a jerk. What a jerk. I mean, it, it's interesting that this is how he finds out. Cause there was no, I guess, I guess the analog would be Mystique and Destiny finding out about Moira, right? Yeah, I guess that's true. Just like his face where he's like so upset. He was like so close to finding out Wolverine. He's like, I'm going to figure it out. And then Gene's in his head and he's like, oh, blah, oh why? Gene! Why? Classic 90s title page. Title page. Written by Steve Fox. Art by Salva Espin. Colorist Israel Silva. Letters. Hey, it's Joe Sabino again. Um, it's VCs. It's Joe. It's VCs, Joe Sabino. He is Joe. But he's VCs, Joe. You see, it, it's right there before his name. Who is your father, Joe? Is it VC? Oh, my gosh. Or is it Joe Sabino Sr.? Anyway. We've Family got, meeting. Yeah, we've got Wolverine called in because this very dead body is here. Forearm has fallen. And Arclight gives us a recap. Hey, we were just finding some things to sell on Madripoor. We were just trying to steal some stuff. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But it's it didn't cool. go well. You know, whatever. Now Forearm's dead. Here's this little message. Archon. I don't know if you know Archon or remember Archon. No. Yeah, that was some annuals in the Claremont run in his, how do you say this? Polmascus? Polemcus? I don't know. Polmacus? I don't know. You're asking the wrong person about pronunciation. (laughs) His battle world, essentially, calling the challenge. Apocalypse. Just straight crush this challenge. Crush this message. Yeah, you upset me. We're going to go. Let me gather my warriors. The strong. Which, come on. Let's go. This team. Yeah. You got the people that you could expect. All right. Nightcrawler, who should have been there from the start. You're talking about swords. Let's go. Cyclops, who has a physical sword, but later is seen with an I beam sword. I, I do like, and, and I don't know. I go back and forth. Because to your point, we wouldn't have the satisfaction or the ability to go this quickly if we didn't know what it was emulating. Right. Right. So right. if we didn't know the full effect, we wouldn't get or appreciate the cliff notes to this degree right and the retrieval of the swords was some of my favorite part and then the ending from the actual ten of swords story all right you don't, I, you don't I have mean, to agree with that no it's not that i disagree it's just that i think i mean even when i was reading the ten of swords story as it was originally i was reading it in a much more condensed time frame so i did enjoy it more than some other people enjoyed it i think but it still did feel like a very long expanse for not a lot of things to happen. Yeah. But that's what happens, right? That's comics. So we got a team. We got some goodbyes. And we got then a data page. We've got a Dungeons and Dragons data page. Which is super cool. Love it. And this is where I learned what I needed to know about Archon. 
Yeah, loving this, loving the stylization of the data pages in every one of these issues. I feel like if I would say anything about this series, it's been a ton of fun and it's delivered some of the best data pages we've seen ever. Ever. And Beast has awakened from his egg rebirth. The stickler for the rules demanding the confirmation from X Factor, but Magneto says, no thanks. No time. Look at this dead body. That's proof enough. Give me more arms. Yeah, what an interesting thing to happen to him. Such a unique contrast to what happens in Ten of Swords to someone who dies in Otherworld. Is this the comparison or uh, like parallel to Rockslide, Wrongslide? Basically, yeah. But it doesn't seem, at least we don't get a full confirmation of completely different person. Mm-hmm. But either way, they know there's something wrong and they need to warn the team, but Xavier still can't talk to them telepathically. So what has to happen? Go to the world. Beast is on it. Paul Marcus. To see, as we do, Archon's army. Ooh. Such an interesting lineup. Yeah. Anybody that hates mutants for any particular reason, come on, fight. Again, epic data page. Yes. Choose so your sword fighter. And the, or the, the random, random Yeah, one. I love it. It's like a video game. Mm-hmm. Brood your brood. Pog your pog. Mm-hmm. I also think it's funny that he's like, huh, I didn't say they had to be Krakowin. You could have picked anybody. Oh, well. Okay. Well, we kind of... We're here anyway. Roll mutants only anyway, so... Giving me all sorts of animated series matchup vibes on this double splash as yeah. our Krakoan heroes go up against Archon's team. Epic battle proportions. I like Storm's lightning sword. Yeah. A quick and easy blow to Solar, who immediately dies. And Apocalypse is like, no, that, that helps. That's good. That's what we needed. Yeah. We needed to make them think we were weak. We got so the we can be strong. Forever matchup between Rogue and Miss Marvel. I thought we were cool. No. We're not cool. We're never going to be cool. You stole my powers. And Storm versus literally everyone. <laughs> ah, Storm. Bringing down the whirlwinds, the lightning. Poor Juggernaut. Two against one. That's not fair. Yeah, it is. Uh, let's pause for some classic Deadpool that was not this classic, right? I... Love every second of Deadpool all the time. Hey, I know I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be breaking the fourth wall. This isn't the right time period for that. But I needed to get this in before y'all find out about Jubilee. Right. Which, how does he know? Right. But he deserves it as he gets stabbed in the head from Psylocke. I do love the... Are we going to talk about the whole like body swap thing no. or are we just not bringing that up in this just iteration? Not, not addressing it in any way, shape or form. Kind of like how we started to address it in the 90s and then just took it as red. Beast dies. <laughs> oh, well, Oopsie. I do like this beast and I like where Beast goes. Yeah. Yeah. That was exciting. But we'll get there in a minute. This intense matchup, Wolverine versus Lady Deathstrike, talking about Orcus and Trask and him just not understanding what's going on. So this image mirrors the Bullseye and Electra classic shot and even mm -hmm. says a note from Salva Espin after Frank Miller and Klaus Johnson. Pretty cool. And then we've got Archon talking smack until whoop, sliced. Your head is gone, my friend. And who has done it? 
Genesis looking all apocalyptic. Yeah, girl. Kind of looking like Moira in that life where she teamed up with Apocalypse. Oh, yeah, totally. She totally does. Yeah. Reunited and it feels so good. Mm, they're back together. The family is all here. We're all going to stay just because that tracks with tennis swords and cute little demon Krakoan flower, which I know you hate, but I like them. A rocky flower, no? Oh, that one's, yeah. Here, meet all your friends. They're coming home with you. Yeah. Interesting the number change as we now are in 92. I guess they didn't have the time or you know, how, however long they needed to go from thousands, 10,000 to a million or more. Yeah. And everybody's home, but we're bringing in some extras, except not everybody's home because a couple people died and a couple people chose to stay. Let's turn on to the remix as we have Dark Beast Golden Samurai. And I'm assuming, I'm just going to call him Lunar because he was Solar. <laughs> and he's got a little night moon on him. Let's get excited about Dark Beast. Come on. Yeah. Scheming already right out of the egg. The Dark Beast thing was pretty dope. I was like, oh, okay. Because that's basically who Beast is now, right? That's, I mean, at least lean into it, right? Yeah. Next, Asteroid X. Which... I'm assuming will be the a rock in an para, parallel to Mars. Yeah. What'd you think? I thought it was great. I think these issues are really fun and I like hearing or seeing the stories retold in in this way where it's like a fun flashback, but we're changing it up a little bit. It definitely feels very much like the Saturday morning cartoon version of the books. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which is, I know, I'm assuming what it's intended to feel like. Right. X-Men 92 was a comic that continued the story of the animated series, but just in more the ability to do things with comics, right? You know, like, the, the cartoon was geared towards kids. You could not show Wolverine stabbing a human. That's why Sentinels were the mm -hmm. ultimate bad guy. And even though there's some stabbing in this, it's like the Krakoan books are for the adults. X-Men 92 is the kids version. Yeah. You know, it's degree, condensed. Yeah. It's a little bit more playful. Cartoony. Cartoony. Yeah, it was fun. They all are. And it's that's, you know, the big thing. It's an it's an odd exercise, I think. Just this nostalgic for the very recent past. But they're fun. I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I think it's great. So I think you've already answered this question, but 10 of swords versus 92 of swords. 92 of swords. Oh, no thoughts. Obviously, one wouldn't exist without the other, and you get to move through 92 of Swords quickly because the general outline is already established and exists in your mind, but not doing anything for it, no. <laughs> 92 of Swords it is. Sorry. Great Malcolm Lane's favorite part of the week is forearm becoming more arms. <laughs> yes, that was funny. 100%, Chad. Rufy O'Connor, Michael wants to know if we are as excited as he is to see Dark Beast in the 92-verse. Yes. 1,000% yes. Totally excited. We all know that's what he's doing in Krakoa. He's just being a little sneakier yeah. about it. Yeah. He's just not coming right out and being gray. Shall we continue? Oh, yeah. On to Legion of X? Legion of X. I, don't, I just want to get this out of the way. The number of times I mentally made the joke Legion of Sex in my mind... <laughs> It, it, I just, I'm going to probably say it every time it happens. Maybe not that I've gotten it away before we've actually gotten in the book. No promises. But damn, y'all. 
At least it's not, you know, dreaming about his sister. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So many different things on this cover coming together. Yeah, m- this misleading information. <laughs> that's why you didn't like this. No, it's not. <laughs> I, there are things actually about this book that I liked, but there are just still some things that feel like they're unnecessarily hard to grasp. Like there's parts of the story that are easy to understand, and then there's other parts of the story that feel like, why does this take so much brain work to get into? Oh, and right. that I don't love. But Well, let's get into it. All right, we got, we got it. Here we go. Page turn noise. On the Switch, releasing that little bugger again as we continue our big idea. Who's releasing it? I don't know. We don't see. We're not confirmed on it. Who is this purple-handed dude person? We we do have a question of that, I believe, from the Pikachu later on. But, you know, it just... It's nothing that we've seen before with these purple arms. Is this Sim somehow? Is this... Sim? I don't know. Oh. Is it another disciple of the god? I, I would assume that it has some connection to the god that Switch is worshipping. Maybe. But the fact that Polly doesn't really react, we, we've not seen this person before. The Pikachu... But Polly seems like he's just he knows wrapped him. In his, hmm. Or he's like, oh, hey. Oh, no, he says, who? Yeah, he doesn't know. Who are you? But he's just very much like, are you here to relieve me? Because I don't want to watch this thing anymore. Yeah, well, he's not even watching the thing. He's just doing the congregation. He's just in his own head as part of the, the full experiment of the altar that we found out last issue. But the Pikachu asked if this was that personality of Legion's finally released. Oh. Potentially. I think that that's going to be a bigger part later on, but... That would be an interesting way to lead us in. Yeah, for sure. I like the way you think. Here we go. Oh, Legion of Sex. Part one. The number of times I just laughed to myself about this is ridiculous. It's probably not at all warranted, but... I think the thing for me is that, like, there are some moments in this where I was like, Nightcrawler, inappropriate. Like, it goes real far. What are you talking about? There's, like, a point when she says something about something being stiff and he's like oh talk about stiff and i'm like nightcrawler come on i mean they they hooked up they're just joking around it doesn't feel it it certainly doesn't feel like nightcrawler but i don't mean like i feel like there's other characters who i could see making that joke but not him i have friends that talk like this (laughs) yeah that's fine i probably have said things like nightcrawler i wish (laughs) but either way so so these two, all of these moments of the Legion of Sex are all happening. They all actually happen together. They just happen to be interspersed through the story. I believe so, yes. And we're just seeing what happens after the fact. Like all of these things, this is all just the one night and them continuing to have this philosophical pillow talk as they go through. But everything that happens afterwards is after they both leave the room. So it's like everything that happens in afterwards is what's happening right now. The showers, the walking leaving, to Morocco. Yep. All of the times we come back to them in bed together, it yep. was all the same right. setting. Hey, Blue, what that tail do? Semantics, re- recreation versus indulgence, right? She's so clinical with it. But as we see, her stance can be broken down. Like he's trying to chip away at, you know, 
she has these hard rules on how she wants to operate, how she sees the world. And Nightcrawler's like, come on, baby. <laughs> Which is what's really interesting to me. And I like that she, uh, you know, throughout the course of the issue, kind of points it out that you claim to have all these oh, beliefs yeah. and all these things. And you just, you're not following through on that. Absolutely. That's probably my favorite part of the issue is that it really addresses the fact that Nightcrawler has not been the Nightcrawler that we all know and love. And she calls him on it multiple times to his face. Even later on, he's called on by a different entity. Mm -hmm. This life of duty versus a life of devoted religion. Just calling him out the double standard of holding people to God's cause and the demands of the spark, but being loose about control and punishment. It's so interesting. And, and it really goes back to my initial questions of how did we get here? Like, what, yeah. what, what is this? What are we doing with this book? But the spirit has flexibility, interpretations, ways of perception to give it meaning. You only like rules you can bend, you dirty dog, Kurt. Oi, oi, oi. Oi. Well, it's the title page. Make love, not sects. Pillow Talk. Written by Cy Spurrier. Art by Jan Basildua. Colors by Federico Blee. Letters Clayton Coles. VCs Clayton Coles. Well, family meeting again. Juggernaut, I'm happy to see these confrontations and conversations here to really work out some of the ideas that have been introduced about Juggernaut, his place on the island, and how Xavier's family is bristling against him. Yeah. And what is this about another no place? And also, there was more than one no place to begin with? Oh, yeah, sure. Just interesting. There's a lot of talk about Xavier and Krakoa, especially lately, and it seems that the narrative is really being pushed by the X office. You know, we're seeing this challenge from Legion in such a direct way to his father, mm -hmm. calling him out on some of the things that he's been seeing and, and questioning the power and how he's using it. I love that Xavier's like, oh, I'm going to just freeze Juggernaut for a second, his brain is frozen, he can't talk, I gotta talk to you, and he thinks he's gonna, like, give it to Legion, and then Legion's like, hey. You're missing an eyebrow. Why are you missing an eyebrow? <laughs> What's up with your What's face? What's happening to your face? Dad. And he's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Oh. Also interesting to know that Legion is suggesting that Switch was inside Xavier, and right. that is something that we haven't actually seen happen, yeah. so. Who even knows, like, did Legion just... Eliminate the eyebrow from Xavier's face. Yeah. Was that even real? This mic drop moment as he leaves, though. That's the problem with societies built on secrets, Dad. I the men it. who control them forget they're just as fallible as the rest of us. I love it. I love it. Give me more of this warlock. I love that. He knows all the secrets, but is not spilling the ellipses before no. How did you know about the no places? No, I'm not telling you that. Sorry. And see... This is this is the attitude Doug should have had. I got an in with Krakoa and Warlock, and we don't have to tell you why we do what we do. We just do it. Nah, you say that he should say that to the council? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. That that exposes his hand. He's playing the long game, and yes, he's being deceitful, but he's doing it for the protection of the mutant people in some degree. Either way, I love Warlock, no matter what he's doing, wherever he is. He's in a comic and I'm here for it. Yeah. Dads, am I right? You know, they're just both commiserating again about, uh, you know, my dad was a jerk and you told me that he's dead and I like that. So, so I'm helping cool. you. So that's cool. So let's be friends. On to round two. The, 
The pillow talk banter is fun and revelatory of their character, but ridiculous at the same time. Yes. She sees Kurt and his faith for what it really is, or at least what she sees it as, a pretext to insulate you from your own pathologies. But that's her whole thing, right? She sees the truth. She paints with it. This lessons in self. It was more... It was for me along with the lesson. Like, who is guiding you besides your notions of God, right and wrong? Who is the compass for Kurt that helps him in this search for truth that is really telling him this is what is right to be moving forward on the island, in the altar, the, this subjugation of the laws of the pit and, and capital punishment on the island, which I don't agree with, but can you really take that into one person's hands right. and, and trust that it's being dealt with in the correct way? Right. Regardless of whether or not you personally agree with it, a governing body, like multiple voices have voted for this thing. And that's the reason they have these multiple voices is so that it's not just one voice dictating what happens. So you being one voice specifically going against that, just because you think it's right doesn't mean it's right. Yeah. This glob is on fire. Oh man, glob is just, <laughs> he's just taking him down with his goo. Goo, just because Switch has got him. What a person to hijack among the dozen or so that he's hijacked elsewhere. But then Chamber, I gotta I gotta say I love this. Oh, I love Chamber. I'm Chamber, a big fan of Chamber. Chamber first taking out Glob and then realizing that Switch is coming for him and he's like, just kill me. Just somebody kill me right now. It's <laughs> about to happen. The awareness that he has in that moment, yeah. Because if you just saw Captain Nukeface take down all of this nonsense, that would be the next place you go. Right. Oh, it's so beautiful. Shout out to the art and color team, especially. Oh, the the yeah. colors in this book have been nonstop beauty. Yes, for sure. Every single week. I do like also the way that you can see Switch in his astral form, mm -hmm. how he's jumping from body to body, Nightcrawler, and how Nightcrawler figures out the big picture. He's in the congregation. That's what's letting him go so many times. Well, how do you solve that? You get in him. You get him inside you so you can get inside him. And don't you dare make another sex joke. I see it in your eyes. Giggity. <laughs> Entering the eye of the storm, forcing Switch to take Nightcrawler. Let's get some God talk. Enough with the pillow talk. Let's just try and connect with this angry God who just says, speak. Speak. Here's where we're getting deeper into the, the philosophies of weaponless Zen, right? Who are you dedicated to? Why do you continue your servitude? You, you want to break out of it, but yet you stay and you, you vow yourself to Aura Serata and the things that are holding you. Well, I do it for myself. I, I just, I love that. I love this philosophy talk. I love where weaponless Zen is coming from and just how it, you know, we, we talk about all the assumptions of the Iraqi peepee. -pee, <laughs> I cannot. It's funnier than it should be. We've talked a lot about the Iraqi people and the assumptions that the Krakoans make of why they do the things that they do, where their compasses are, how they're coming to these decisions. And it's just interesting to really dive deeper into those philosophies that make up 
their true selves. Yes. I agree with you. I just feel like this is this this is the area where I start to kind of lose it because I don't fully understand like who she's talking to, who is like Aura Serata is sending her or sending or controls all of these these warriors or these people and like these obviously are Iraqi trainees being trained, but like I don't I don't know. This is where I start to kind of. Well, I think there's a separation, right? So this is some of the duty that she is assuming, even if it is against what Aura Serata wants in this moment, right? So this is Zen essentially taking stock of what's happening on Araco, what's been happening on Araco, and seeing these different things, right? So you see the desecration of the Valley of the Fallen, which is only an appetizer to what happens later. Ugh. Turds in the defensive systems transformed warriors with their derp faces neglecting her communicator when called to her responsibility like what else is actually her responsibility or what is she just assuming because of her care for this world these people i just this it feels like kurt's influence is taking hold in mm -hmm. that she's questioning her station and and where she actually should be focusing on so i don't know if this was, it clearly isn't because she's later reprimanded for avoiding her communicator and not listening to the calls to be back at mm -hmm. where she needs to go, the Night Watch. Okay, it's time for the disappointment to happen. <laughs> well, but first we're talking about these flexible beliefs. She's calling them out again, which I'm happy about. Someone needs to. And it's a good foundation for anything more that might happen between them. The fact that they're getting to a real place of, of being themselves and mm -hmm. exposing what's going on internally, holding him accountable. You pick and choose the rules of your law and your religion. It seems to me you can interpret your way into justifying anything as long as you're helping others or hurting yourself. But then, yes, we get ready for our godly meeting. Wah, wah, wah. Faith like a flame that only burns outwards, a shadow in the center. Addicted to filling everyone with wonder and meaning that you never stopped to admit how empty you feel. The juxtaposition between what she's saying to him and what the god's saying to him. Really breaking him down to his core. The nature of this god's formation and their relationship to Switch and, and how this really shakes Nightcrawler and what that means for a god's purpose. Right. I do think that is interesting. But I also feel like it's interesting for Nightcrawler to be saying, well, does Switch actually believe in you or is Switch just using you because it get, you're giving him more power? Sure. You know, and and are you which one of us is actually which one of you is actually trapped? Is it you who's trapped here by Switch or is it Switch who's trapped by you? I don't think Switch is trapped. You know, he's right. he's out ex enjoying the full extent of his power but that also to me is i don't know if frustrating is the right word but you know it's it was built up that this god was somehow manipulating switch and traveling through all those all of these people for some greater purpose but really the, it's just switch being switch and sure. the god just happens to be letting that happen because switch believing in him helps him like i was a little disappointed in that there wasn't a deeper connection between why switch, why this thing, why traveling through these bodies? Are you trying to get, and then the, maybe there is more to it, but then the mention of 
potentially switch being in Xavier and then wiping Xavier's mind of that moment happening is like, then was there a greater purpose to this? Or is this just some strange coincidental thing that's happening just because this God needs more likes? Essentially? Sure. Yeah. But also knowing that the God is a trickster God. And so. Well, but so much more than that. What do you mean? He flat out says, like, I am not just a god of mischief. I'm all these gods. Sure, right. But at its core, a god trying to mess things up and create chaos. And and what that's happening is him unleashing Switch onto the Iraqi people, onto the altar, into all of these systems that they've created. And regardless of who's benefiting at which time, they're each kind of getting what they want. You know, yes, the God is shackled in this room, not really shackled, but held in this room Mm -hmm. while switch unleashes the chaos. But that chaos is really seemingly what feeds the God's desire. That's, that's why he wants to be who he is. Tumult, the trickster chimera. There's that word again. Yeah. The Mr. Potato Head God. This is just a bunch of nonsense. Just so disappointing because they made you think it was Loki so hard. Sure, right. And then it's like, I'm not just Loki, but I'm everybody. I got took something from everyone. So are you disappointed because it's not Loki, or are you disappointed because of what it is? You know, I, both, I, both. Sure. I, I initially I was disappointed because it was not Loki, and now I'm not necessarily disappointed in what it is because the ending reveal of sort of like who's behind it all is interesting huge and interesting and definitely you know stirs the pot but i think you know as a person who's a fan of loki when you're putting loki on covers and putting him in preview art and like you know showcasing the horns and showcasing the horns and showcasing the horns and using the words god of mischief and then or mischievous god you know it's a little Rude. (laughs) But Tumult the Trickster Chimera is calling out Nightcrawler in the same way that Zen is. Perhaps it is time to believe in ourselves. This data page. Can we talk about this data page between Nightcrawler and Xavier? Requests and denials. No. Requests to hand over detainees. No. Some caution for Kane? Nope. Banshee's Rampage? No. And... Were you looking into some, was that intrusive telepathy into people's dreams? Right. And oh, just Charles being like, I know you don't want intrusive telepathy, but I did try, even though you didn't want it, but I couldn't get it. Like, right. right. uh, This last line, I miss you too. Yeah. It's it's the way I knew you. You know, it's, I miss, I miss who you were. But I don't know who you are anymore, which I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Olympus Mons Legion is stewing on his encounter with his dad, pushing him to be more accepting of Mother Righteous and her promise of gifts and power. But danger, danger, Switch is coming for you. Yeah, the altar, that's what it wanted. The The inward watch. That's what it was, the inward watch. The night watch is from Game of Thrones. Yes. Seeking truth. Seems like they're probably the same. Seeking truth is vulnerability and fear in this moment as Nightcrawler is asking for Zen to paint her to as Nightcrawler is asking Zen to paint him with her power. What do you think this cross picture frame finger thing that Zen is doing means like she does it to Nightcrawler 
in the beginning of the issue and now she's doing it again here. Yeah, I think it's a, a way of achieving some artistic perspective, right? Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the, you know, the, the video makeup thing where people be like, oh, the cinematic fake finger, mm-hmm. you know, box. So she's putting it in a perspective where she can then block out what else is around it and focus in on the specific thing, right? So not distracted by the beauty of the room that they're in, but really see Nightcrawler for his truth and what he is. Mm -hmm. So she's seeing the inward watch for what it is at this point, or she's trying to at least as she's... As they're going to kill her? Yeah, specific orders. I don't like that. No. better not kill her. It feels like anybody that got a name except for one. (laughs) Yeah, right. We'll get to Red. Mm. Aura Serrata. This was unexpected. I'm only here because she hated me for what I was. Aura Serrata is the cause of this god. Which is so interesting because... So she's basically just sending Zen to like clean up her mess? Essentially, yeah. And then Zen didn't do it. And so she's like, well, now you gotta die. Now she's mad. Because you know too much. But Zen doesn't even know. Yeah. Nightcrawler does. And hopefully he can get there in time. Because I'm assuming that's where he's gonna go next. Well, I certainly hope so. Because we got one more issue of this before we actually catch up to Judgment Day. Ah. Issue six of Judgment Day, I believe we'll see Legion in a different role and what the after effects are. Mmm. Legion. Next issue, I am the law. E-Y-E. Big picture, what'd you think? I thought it was a good issue. I like I enjoy Legion of X. It's just it's not if I was like, ooh, what comics am I really excited about? It's never really top of the list for me. Sure. I don't know. It's like I'm not I'm not like a prude. I don't I don't mind like sexy jokes or whatever. It's just like when Nightcrawler says them, it makes me uncomfortable for some reason. And I don't <laughs> I so I didn't really enjoy it. Like at first I was like, ooh, sexy. And then I was like, mm, I don't. I don't like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. and and then it was like, okay, they're just they're just having lots of sex. Like this whole issue is them having sex, which is fine. Like you know, get it, get it, whatever you need to do. But like, I don't know. Do we need to explore it verbally? I mean, I don't. Like I said, I don't. I don't mind that. I'm not against that. I think. I just sometimes feel like there's too much happening in this book. And then it all kind of dovetails into one thing. Yeah. And that was the problem with issue one was that it was, oh, look at all this stuff. But it's all really one or two things Mm -hmm. that we find out there's connections in the background through everything. Yeah. And we didn't get any information on Banshee, like what's going on. Well, I mean, we did. We didn't get any information specifically besides that data page where Xavier Right, knows saying that people were seeing him in their, in their dreams. dreams, right, and and referring to himself by a different name. And then it's I'm still confused about Mother Rapture and whether or not she's good or bad, or if there even is a good or bad in this kind of story. Is and, there a good or bad in Krakoa? It's, right, she is chaos, really. Right. Yeah, I thought you know this got a lot more philosophical, mm-hmm. even with the the mask of Pillow Talk, which I enjoyed, while also moving forward the narrative of individual characters and where they're headed. I'm here for holding Nightcrawler accountable for himself. I think that that was a really important part of this issue and and has been missing from the story. I feel like it's been lacking for the last couple of issues. And 
just talk about fast tracking a relationship though. And I, I don't know if that's, is that, well, I, part of me feels like maybe Nightcrawler thinks it's a relationship. Sure. And Zen is like, no, no, we just, this is indulgence. We just hooked up. Like, right, right. We just, we're just doing what felt good to us. And now we're going to move on with our lives. Yeah. And I do think it is, like you said, an interesting and important thing for someone to be holding Nightcrawler accountable since his whole focus right now seems to be holding other people accountable. Right, right. And that, that conversation is what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And if, the, I don't think we would get to the conversation that Nightcrawler and Zen had, had they not been intimate with each other, had they mm-hmm. not lowered the walls of yeah. their defenses and, and really experienced some vulnerability and, and really shared and broke down what's going on inside themselves internally. And it was a lot more on Nightcrawler than it was on Zen. Yeah. And that was necessary because, you know, while Zen is doing what she's doing, She's got some other stuff to work through. It's just more small picture. Yeah. I think the thing for me is that of this story, of this whole book, like the things that I'm most interested in is actually Legion's story, a little bit of Juggernaut's story, what's going to go on with Legion and like his altars, what's going on with the Legion Xavier like tension where Legion is trying to get to as a place in Krakoa like that's what I'm more intrigued about than Nightcrawler's religion and I feel like when I read those parts of the story I'm you know I'm it's also like a character I don't know a lot about and Legion seems to know more than he's he's giving right now which is interesting to me like there's a sense of mystery behind that and he just the way he just tends to like appear in situations and just be the right place the right time Hmm. often like that story arc is more interesting to me i think zen is really interesting but i don't know that i'm super i don't really care about the spark i think i don't care about the spark either but i care about nightcrawler as a character Mm -hmm. and i i enjoy him essentially being put on trial through this and i think that that's necessary for the questions that he's been asking and the changes that he's been going through. And and that has me interested just because he's my favorite X-Men. So you put Nightcrawler in anything and I'm going to want right, to read it. Right. And yes, Legion is Legion and Juggernaut's story is really interesting. Even just the attacks on Xavier and, and where he is in this and where he is in the Krakoan era yeah. is really interesting. But I also think that there are ways that Nightcrawler's story with his religion, with his questions of the spark and, and how to what is a way that we as a people can govern ourselves is really what he's asking. You know, is, is it a religion of man or is it this new religion that we're trying to? Is it just the idea that, hey, try new stuff. That's cool. Not really a religion, more just like a guiding philosophy. It's, yeah. Do some new stuff. And, you know, who cares if you break a couple eggs? Yeah. Hmm. Mike loves Mariah Carey. Loved seeing Chamber go Captain Nukeface. That was awesome. And a note about Gen X comics coming back online for Marvel Unlimited. So shout out to Mike. Yes. Warline Comics is happy that Nightcrawler isn't fantasizing about his sisters, but he's still so out of character. And and I agree, but at least they address it in some way and call him out for mm-hmm. it. You know, I think that there's a lot to be said about the changing nature of what's going on and the questions of his faith and his soul about when you get to the the truth of mutant resurrection and how that started in issue seven of X-Men, just what is religion now? Right, right. 
what is everything that I've held so important? Well, so much of religion is is literally about holding people accountable for their actions, whether it's some other higher power judging you and then a lot of the or, or holding you accountable. And then a lot of religion is centered on what happens after your life is over because of what you've done in this life. And when you're faced with get this another idea try that your life doesn't actually end then that brings a lot of things up as questions right and it's the same thing i think there was a lot of it in way of x too mm-hmm. struggling with the idea of resurrection the the lack of care for life and just willingness to die in a almost ritualistic sacrifice as a group Mm -hmm. and the influences of the evil personas around the fact that onslaught was able to infect people the fact that this god is able to challenge people's belief in this way and and what that means because this as a god lowercase g relative to his faith in a god capital g and and what that means to him and and what it is even to be of godly power. Mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of interesting questions and, and I agree that it, it is a lot. It is very heady. Yeah. It is philosophical to almost, almost to the point like, am I reading a comic or am I reading a philosophy book? Well, that's how I feel about the next comic we're well, going to talk I, about. But I love reading philosophy books so that I feel like appeals to that side of me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I think philosophy is interesting if I'm sitting down to read a philosophy book. <laughs> I think philosophy philosophy in nuggets of wisdom and uh, sprinkled on top of my comics and science fiction is great. But when it takes over, it it pulls me out of it a little bit. Yeah, I hear that. You ready for Immortal X-Men? Yeah, I guess. Not so much. <laughs> it was probably my least favorite issue of, of the week. Of the week? Whoa, yeah, wow. my least favorite issue of the week. Dang, coming out swinging. Sorry, sorry. Let's, let's talk about the cover. Okay, the cover is really cool. All Exodus his, looks amazing. His epic and furious glory. How dare you mess with my Messiah? Yeah. The hex brewing up some madness in the background. I yeah. love the art. I think the the art is gorgeous. The colors are gorgeous. I like this like the Judgment Day, you know, emblem on there with the the logo still in the center. I think it's a great cover. So let's get into it. Let's go. Page turn noise. On a faith journey into the desert, trapped in a memory hallucinating his history. Exodus. You know, we don't know too much about him. We really don't. And we get a little bit. We, we get the fact that he is, again, comparable to Nightcrawler in that he's flexible in his beliefs. And he's essentially moving it to what he needs it to be to feel confident in where he's going next. Mm -hmm. I do think that this setup of diving deeper into the psychic attack that happens is that not necessarily that they were in pain, but that they were distracted by being trapped in a a memory or, you know, being trapped inside some other thought. I thought that was an interesting concept. And I did like seeing this version of Exodus from you know, probably his origin, like as a knight, that is cool. Right, yeah. Is um, it this kind of history that has not really been explored or established. Yeah. It's only been referenced at various times. And then to find the phoenix and, and just what that means to him long term over the course of his life, especially as you integrate that with hope as we get later on into the issue. Mm-hmm. 
The more the mutants were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. So the humans came to dread the mutants. The book of Exodus. A pretty liberal translation of the Bible, but, you know, I'm here for it. <laughs> hey, it's a title page. Infallibility means never having to say sorry. Part 5, Meditations on the X. Written by Karen Gillan. Art by Mikhail Bandini. Colors by David Curiel. Letters Clinton Coles. VCs Clinton Coles. All right, now we're in Krakoa. Now we're here. Almost to real time. Closer. Again, what you were saying just before, this tactic of keeping them in a loop of multiple memories. He's breaking through, or at least at times, but it's super interesting tactic to, to use this telekinetic unimind to keep them in stasis. I guess when I was reading this, I didn't realize that this whole thing was... I thought this was like them in a council meeting before they get attacked. And then later in the pages when you see the the attack happen is when it actually starts. And that this conversation is actually happening in real time where they're talking about Sinister disappearing and whether he was captured or whether he was rescued and all of that. Yep. I I thought that was just a regular old council meeting. It could be, but I interpreted it as a, a recent history. The, ah, this is now Krakoa. No, dot, 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 closer to now. What's amiss? So it is something that likely just happened, but it's happening in his mind again because of the psychic attack from the Unimind. As we're talking about the Eternals coming, I saw it. You know, I, I saw it was going to happen. Shaw's being a perv. Oh. We didn't talk about my favorite moment in the Infinity comic. Is when Doug is making all the faces and Shaw is like, stop making stupid faces. Own your crimes. Like, <laughs> And I was like, that's amazing. I love that so much. That, that's Shaw. He's next up on our Immortal X-Men list. Yes. But we talk about how Sinister was taken with a celestial technological signature comparable to to Eternal's previous aversion to disaster in Little Hollow, the last couple of issues of the Eternal run, where they were trying to stop this giant destruction of a small town in America and, and this back and forth between the Avengers. So to compare those signatures gave them that clue as to where this attack was coming from. Who could have taken Sinister or rescued him? I do love what Emma's saying here. Yes. The strength of Krakoa questioned. I do also love that she's like, normally I would be like, meh, Who good cares? riddance. Yeah. Is this a reveal of what she was reacting to last issue of Immortal X-Men? The, the way that she, you know, like, like you had said, didn't seem or feel confident because right. she picked up those surface thoughts of this question of power. The fact that you're, you're playing at this game and you're slowly crumbling. Right. And also how frustrating for her to feel like you know, this constant battle, it's, you can never fully be accepted as a leader, as a woman, when there are men around you also leading. Because as your men start to diminish, people start to think less of you because you're just like, just the woman is left, you know, or just the people that they don't consider to be the powerhouses have left. And that she's basically saying like, we have to do something about this. Well, I think that that's a lot of what she's been trying to do is challenge the status quo of who the leaders of mutantdom are, right? right? You, you look back canonically and it's Xavier, Magneto, Apocalypse. These are the pillars of mutantdom. And now you've lost two of those and Emma has stepped up much further into her role into the console. Mm -hmm. 
But then you even look at the more modern pillars of strength in mutantdom and, and what hope meant to the mutant people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that is what we're talking about throughout this issue and Exodus's faith. But we got to do something in response to show our strength. So get that war nerd in here. He's got plans. <laughs> Shaw's not having it. No defense. Let's get offense up in here. Yeah. I want to fight someone. And Exodus has the inside scoop where their cities are and the difficulty to defeat them. Feeling the familiarity of what's happening, a mind fight as he's recognizing the struggle that he's going through. This repetition of the point in the the slicing of faces of what he says as he's seeing and feeling, oh, okay, no, this, something's wrong, something's amiss. And this sight of destiny where Apocalypse once was brings him back further into his memory. Apocalypse has a mission for Exodus. That's where the dope outfit comes from. From Everyone's dope outfits always come from Apocalypse. That makes sense. I mean, he's got all that celestial power. I was reading this and really just thinking about how I want a Marvel legend of Exodus and Destiny. Mm. Like Those have to be in a, a future wave. Yeah, they got to. That they are really important to this era and have not been done in Hasbro Marvel Legends. We need the full council. Agreed. Like a Captain Kate. Captain let's, Kate would be really nice. Let's talk and then about. I could get my face on that Marvel legend. Let's talk about <laughs> Garrington. Mission to kill your brother lover, and finding Cersei and getting the inside scoop. So this this is a new revelation. This idea we we have not known anything about Exodus's sexuality in addition to his history so Mm -hmm. it's not explicitly said but it can be implied that he loves this person more than a brother yes and that this is a real struggle for him to be tasked to attack someone that he has such deep care for and feeling the effects of the witch nearby but also the temptations of the devil apocalypse well it also makes you think a little bit more about why he doesn't like Wanda so much. I mean, obviously, we know he doesn't like Wanda because of... No more mutants. No more mutants. But also, clearly, he has been wronged by a witch in the past. Sure, yeah. A witch that wasn't even a witch. But he refers to them both as witches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he sees who and what Apocalypse really is, pushing against his own faith. He's moving for his own reasons. Apocalypse. That amount of faith in religion, explore, I really do enjoy, and, and I know we talked about it in Legion of X, but the amount of faith and religion exploration in this week's issue is intense. You know, I think it's a good thing grounding the books in some kind of reality, or at least in, in concepts of the natural or, or our world, mm-hmm. and this question of faith and purpose as they're all trying to figure it out for themselves. It definitely makes you use your brain. That's what I'll say. <laughs> and he's buried. He's left behind for the better part of a thousand years. And at that moment, he realizes we're under psychic attack from the Eternals. I will say as much as this was my least favorite issue, I do think the art is really beautiful. And I especially love this panel of Apocalypse and Exodus like face to face right before this moment where, you know, he's buried for a thousand years. That like battle gives me like uh <laughs> Harry Potter, Lord Voldemort, wand stream crossing vibes. Yeah. But then, oh, snap. We're being attacked. 
trying to keep them off the board by trapping them in their memories. I'm interested to see if we get more of the individual council members, because I don't think that we will. Right. Like what what memories were they trapped in? Right. Of anyone that needed an exploration of their history, Exodus was top of the list. Right. Someone that we don't know much about that. And I keep on saying that, but it's true. And to have this way into it through the attack by the Unimind and to ground it in both a need to explore this character as him being the focal point of the issue and a need to connect it to the events of Judgment Day. Mm-hmm. Nap time's over as he slips back into the memories trying to fight through. Join me. I'm Magneto. But guess what? Magneto's still not the one for you. Yeah, he's still just a, a man, a mutant, though. The man I thought, I first thought a messiah to guide me as far as he could, helping build this faith. Popes and anti-popes, the impact of insight and how it's molding where he goes next as he's finding, you know, he doesn't have all the answers, but he believes what he believes at that moment. And he's trying to make sense of it all. One false god at a time. Let's talk about this 90s goodness. Square off on Magneto's base. This is Fatal Attractions. Ah. Putting his faith in mutantum as a whole. Less so about specific mutants. Interesting contrast of who is in each seat and how it relates to Exodus's view on them. So who he mm. thought was these these pillars of his faith. And now he has such faith in the future seer of destiny and what's to come to be able to prepare them to protect the Messiah that he now believes wholly and completely in hope. Yeah, that is an interesting, you know coincidence or interesting planning that those apocalypse and magneto played such specific roles and that destiny and hope sort of filled those fill those roles for him and actually filled those council seats like that's right i wonder if that's a coincidence or if that was planning and that those would be the people to take like you know obviously eventually maybe that everyone knew destiny and hope would end up on the council but for which seat would they take right you know? well magneto Magneto for Hope was definitely Kieran. Mm-hmm. Apocalypse being gone for as long as he was gone. And I don't know if this was back pocket for Hickman that he was always going to have Destiny mm-hmm. make that mic drop, walk in and take that seat. Goosebumps walk away. Yeah. Now let's really wake it up. What blasphemy has occurred? Wolverine with the save and the explanation. Time to move into action. Probably the most intensity we've seen from the council so far as Xavier and Emma set it up and go forward as to what they're going to do. Emma's got that 11 nosebleed ready to use her powers for for the evil of taking out her bad mood. <laughs> I do love how they're arming Exodus, ready for the attack, the ways he's bringing them together, these two influences. Yes, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Emma's his shield and Hope is his sword. And, and I love the image of, of his, you know his costume changing into the night version of himself, I would say like this now is the part of the issue that I thought was the most exciting. Yeah. Because you got the action, right? You're leading to the big takeaway. Mm-hmm. And even just the explanation for why Emma is that shield. was really right, interesting. Right. Yes. She would not want her children harmed. Oh, it's a dragon. Yeah, I got this. This That's is what cool. I do. Night slay dragons. You read stories, data page, psychic engagement plan, an interesting twist on the data page. But man, I wanted to see more of this battle. 
I, I'd imagine that this is happening internally on the astral plane mm-hmm. or something along those lines. But did you see what looks like the image of hope? Is that Emma? Yeah. The, I've always thought, though, that on the title page, the the hope image doesn't really look like hope. It does look like Emma. Yeah, that looks like a mistake. Yeah. That's the same. No, see, that's the image that they have for hope in this series. And I do think it doesn't really look like her. I have to go back, I guess, and look at other issues. But it does look very Emma-esque. Yeah. Another day. Another time. Interesting to me that this Unimind is very, like, technology-based with all the ones and zeros. And it's not. It's. I feel like, isn't it just a bunch of eternals minds together or is it actually a computer it is a bunch of eternals minds together the internal logic i i might say that that could connect to the machine that is the earth right and and how that that is a part of Mm. their resurrection and and a part of the core of their society that makes sense but he breaks through and he's being tested but he's been this low before even lower as he reflects on the impacts of Wanda's decimation on mutant life, how that affected his faith and made him test himself even further. He was lost at this time, right? So he's he's going back and we're seeing the impacts of Wanda's no more mutants on him and his faith and his people. But then hope happened. Right. He was in the desert and was almost consumed by the fire, almost giving up, killing himself in the sun. The phoenix came to him. Then, surprisingly, reminding him of what could happen now. I love his relationship with Hope. Yeah. Now she's like, get up, lazy. Come on. What were you you, just battling for our, you know, souls in the astral plane or something? Because he's got to be, I think he's the one that's breaking free, right? Yes. Yeah. Like he's the one that snapped out of it and, and got them out of the situation for sure. They've warded off the Unimind attack and they're prepping for their return. But we don't have a whole lot of time to prep as the Hex is incoming. These giant monster Pokemon things coming in for round two. Come on, you can't tell on that last page. I I know you don't know who Lugia is, but that that just looks like. Oh, yeah, they definitely have Pokemon vibes. Yeah. But Exodus is not ready to back down, so that's good. Yeah, I I do love his Messiah pep talk. You do what you do. I'll do what I do. The, the comparisons of the church and where he is now with hope and, and him being this pope for the mutant people, for the Messiah that is hope and, and the promise of life and success and, and just fruition for their people. Up next, the Black King. Did that help? Did that change your mind at all? No. I could tell. <laughs> you just were not having it. I just... I think that Exodus is a really epic character and I really enjoy his, I don't know if like stateliness is the right word. And I think his devotion to his cause is a really great character trait. But I was just personally really bored with this issue. I think maybe it was the way that the the dialogue was or like the the language or the fact that I was going into both of these issues thinking that we were going to really get to dig into what happened during those attacks. And like even though we did and I understand that, you know, 
um, Immortal X-Men is, is meant to be a look at each of the council members. Like, but I still felt like last issue was supposed to be a look at Emma and we still got meaty story because we were all the stuff that was going on with Sinister. And I think the each of the individual character points of what happened in like Exodus's journey is interesting, but I just didn't enjoy the issue. I just felt like I felt bored by it and I felt like it was a chore to read. Like it didn't feel palatable in my mind when I was reading it. I was like really having to think and like I just it 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 just wasn't in my mind an issue that I enjoyed. I think the concept of of the issue is cool. I think Exodus as a character is cool. I like that, you know, that this attack on their minds was not literally like a painful attack, but more of a distraction to kind of keep them away from this idea that they were going after the five. I just think, I don't know, there was just something about the issue that I didn't enjoy. I think when we get to X-Men 13 and we see the actual astral plane attack that that might fill that gap of what you're looking for in this in this fight right so in this different focus for this issue Mm -hmm. I, i really like this issue i thought that it had a lot to balance and it did a really good job at providing a through line through those elements so you have the attack on krakoa from the unimind obviously the big picture thing that's happening that mm-hmm. just happened in judgment day but you're also getting insight into one of the council members as is the format of immortal x-men so we're, we're getting that look at it, exodus his backstory his history how that connects to the eternals how his faith is empowering him you know in terms of new information that moved judgment day as an event forward or even that electric feeling that i got from x-men red it didn't deliver on that, but overall, I thought it was solid in different ways, mm-hmm. and that's why it stood out to me. I'm standing by my decision to like X Men Red was the book of the week. Yes, hundred percent. But I really enjoyed what this did for Exodus as a character and what it sets up for the mutant faith. You know, you think about the fact that. Was Legion of X oh, ever meant to be the religion book or was it always just the conversations that happened between Exodus and Hope? Because that's the mutant religion. That's mm-hmm. like, bring Nightcrawler in if you need to, but otherwise, do your cop thing. Yeah, I think, well, two things. One, what you said about what this does for Exodus as a character, I would really agree with that. I feel Exodus is a very, he's a hero in a different way than a lot of the other quote-unquote heroes are and I think seeing him really like come into his own in this issue was really cool but I also think that having this issue and Legion of X in the same week and having them me read them back to back sure like they are both a lot to process and a lot to take in and I think you know when you and I go through the issues like you take notes so you have notes and you you read those as we go through and or you refer to those as we get to each page you look at the page you look at your notes me I just look at the page and what I remember from the page as I look at it what popped out to me that's what I can say really quickly while we're talking and in this issue every page I stared at it and I was like I don't really know what happened here because I don't it didn't really sink into me it didn't pull me in it didn't make me excited when I was reading it so it felt a little bit more like homework 
than a book that I was enjoying. And I hate to say that because I really do love Immortal X-Men and I really do think Exodus is a really cool, interesting, different character with a different kind of backstory and a different history than a lot of other characters. But this book, this issue just didn't hit like the magic for me. Sure. Yeah, I hear that. I would totally agree that Legion of X should have come last week. And I think to even pace out, not only content-wise, but also to have a Krakoa-era book mm-hmm. on another week, I think that that should have happened. And it also, it, it might have just been to separate that you're not expecting a, a Judgment Day issue right after the beginning, but I, I think that should have happened, 100%. Great Malcolm Lane, Chad thinks that Exodus as a tortured Catholic who keeps redefining his religion to suit his ego is brilliant. And I'd agree it's an interesting parallel between him and Nightcrawler throughout the books this week. Chad is also calling some gay romance between Exodus and Garrington. Yeah. Had to be there. Curls is wondering if Exodus is the strongest telepath because he was able to break through the memory hold. Yeah, that is interesting. Or is it this conversation that like his his faith is more powerful? I think that's it. I think, you know, his faith in himself and in, in his guiding cause is what strengthens his mutant power i went back to house of x number one he's listed as an omega level telekinetic Mm. not telepath which is interesting to have this strength in telepathy he is very much so a strong telepath the 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 ones that sit on the table even jean gray if you had her still at the table Mm -hmm. those are the strongest telepaths on the island Mm -hmm. the strength that he's able to show and and i just i 100 percent agree it's his faith in himself his confidence and hope and the religion that he's found that builds and amplifies his power in this moment. I also think it's his his intellect and his constant questioning, mm-hmm. which is what kind of pulled him through. Like, I don't picture Exodus to ever be a person who just is in a moment. I think he's constantly analyzing every moment of his life. And because he does that... Same, bro. <laughs> Because he does that, he was able to recognize the the loop that he was in sure, in right. that you know attack, and that made him be able to pull out of it in a different way. And I think that that ties to how he's been tried to be manipulated and used for the causes of others, mm-hmm. and that's why we get this story about apocalypse and Magneto being a much softer version of that because he did believe in Magneto and his cause Mm -hmm. but recognized that it was not the true faith that he was seeking Michael Fox wants to know if we experience the same amount of joy in seeing the Unimine get taken down but also he doesn't see how the Eternals can fight Jean with Exodus I did not I didn't really experience a lot of joy. <laughs> you had no joy for this issue. We, we get that. Um, but I do think, because it felt more like, in this instance, the Eternals and the Unimind didn't really get taken down. They more noticed that things were getting shaky and, and decided to retreat. Um, so it doesn't feel as like victorious or triumphant in that way. That like, yeah, we thwarted them because it was more like, oh, shoot, we started to give them a run for their money and they decided to leave. To that point, the fact, the piece that we're not seeing is the telepathic attack back onto the Unimind, which Mm -hmm. was hinted at in Judgment Day number one. And I know that because I've read it recently. Mm -hmm. And then uh, that will be explored in X-Men, I believe. And then 
What was the second part of that question? Michael doesn't see how the Eternals can fight Gene with Exodus. Like that that team up against the Eternals mental power. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know. I don't know because it says right like the Eternals are not that strong of telepaths, but does the minimal strength of like a bunch of telepaths what is that in comparison to two strong telepaths? Right. But I don't know. I don't know. And it, well, I think that it goes back to the Phoenix, his faith, the combination of powers, the the strength in team mm-hmm. and how that's just going to propel them as a duo forward. Mike loves Mariah Carey is appreciating the extra insight to Exodus as a character. He's reading through 90s X-Men comics right now and it's great because he's largely underdeveloped. Oh, cool. So to see that, you know, especially that one panel where we get the full effect of the 90s yeah. on display. Now we see the Phoenix in this issue. Seemingly in flashbacks throughout Exodus's life, but it's still very much a part of the current story with Echo. Warline wants to make sure that we keep that cosmic chicken away from Jean. Logan is enough trouble for her. That cosmic chicken. The cosmic firebird. My honest question is, in the beginning, this is, this instance of the Phoenix, like, this isn't in comics up until this point, right? I don't believe so, yeah. This is like Middle Ages Phoenix. Right. So that is interesting in itself to me that the Phoenix as an entity keeps connecting itself or exposing itself to Exodus. Right. Because does that mean, you know, in the Immortal X-Men preview, like the Last Supper page, we see the Phoenix. Like, does that mean that Exodus is going to be the next host of the Phoenix? I'm not sure, but that would make sense as something that could happen. So he is the Phoenix in that issue of Destiny, right? Or he at least is commanding the power of the Phoenix mm. as he's fighting Sinister in that distant future. So, yeah. So I think that's definitely something that Kieran's playing with as a potential. And just this idea that like throughout time, the Phoenix has presented itself to Exodus and or Ben somehow connected to him and his faith up until the point where he is actually ready to take on the Phoenix himself. And like, he's always searching for, you know, the mutant Messiah or the, the savior, but is he actually the answer this whole time? If he were to believe he was, I think he he would. Right. So that, that's that give and take of, if you believe in yourself Mm -hmm. and that's again, another tie to what's going on in Legion of X. Maybe we just need to believe in ourselves a little bit more. Mm hmm. Warline also wanted to know if Kitty and Emma vouching for Scott has any impact on your thoughts on him. Uh, no. <laughs> just, just flat out no. Just no. Oh, I mean, I just... Props for the war nerd. Scott is fine. He hasn't done anything to rub me the wrong way, but he also hasn't done anything to make me be like, yeah, oh my God, I love you, Scott Summers. Like, he's fine. Kid Wolf, PJ has declared Exodus as his new pope, joining the Church of the Phoenix because of this week's issue. Cool. Church of the Phoenix, I'm there for that. I am too. Are you ready? Yes. Oh my God, yes. Oh my God, she lit up. Let's do it. Ah, look at Cable. He's on the cover. Haunting madness. We saw this cover a while ago, right? Yeah, he's so messed up. Nathaniel. Oh no. Okay, ready? Page turn noise. Incoming. We got Brand's briefing. This countdown. 
oh, this yeah. countdown. Making you feel it. The anticipation of the attack coming. Hey, listen, I'm that jerk that nobody likes, but death is coming, so listen to me. Mm, okay, Abigail. Or a Serata. Idol can see the future, but not alter it. And I guess what that means is that she can't let them know what she sees is about to happen because that would alter what happens, right? right. So they'd be prepared for it. So she almost can give hints of something, but not even really. You just can interpret it. And the combination between Aura and Idol, Aura being able to see and interpret that, yeah, we get this, an empty heart beats hardest. An empty hand deals the impossible blow. And the stalemate ends with victory's loss. Magneto, Fisher King, Iska. Mm. But let's talk about Princess Aurora. She ain't here, and Iska's mad about it. Princess, the princess or whatever she calls her. Yep. She's not here? Oh, Iska. Cable's got the lowdown. Hey, so they, they know a lot about what's about to come. Cable has their whole plan locked. But they're just like a little bit Too late. later than they should be right. in their preparation. As incoming, get to safety. I love Magneto saying that is not our way. You've been on this council for what? 20 pages? But he He, he lives commits. it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He commits. And this, this honestly, this is the best thing for him. Yes. I just feel like this. these are the people that bring out the true Magneto. Yes. Willing to fight for their ultimate survival. Yes. And now let's get to the point. The the first disappointment. Get this. I wrote all caps. Get this woman off the council. You know what? Uh, Warline actually sent us a data page. Yeah, yeah. And I love that. I love. Thank you, Warline, for, for going back and re-referencing data pages and things that they kind of like drop secretly way before their time so when they're talking about all the different members of the council they talk about how idol knows which member of the great ring is going to kill her yeah and iska you dirty dirty dog you have been a traitor curls you called it yeah she knows which of the great ring will kill her she waits for the stalemate to end. Which is an interesting phrase considering that's exactly what Orosarada says. Well, that's why I said. the stalemate ends with victory's loss. That's why I said. The yeah, I'm just making it blatantly obvious yeah, that that's yeah. what we're saying. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Because I believe uh, Iska is the seat of victory. Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Victory's loss. How does How Iska does lose? The unbeaten lose, right? But anyway, there's still more to it. There's still more to it. Kurt with the ultimate strategy play. It's just how quickly. I mean, I, I, I have made it clear that I loved Iska, mm-hmm. and I think that that changed almost immediately just because of the unpredictability of her powers. And yeah. just come on, I can't trust you in any way, shape, or form. Nope. But shout out to Nightcrawler for the quick and correct strategy play. Right. Because if she stayed, they would lose. They would lose entirely, right? She would be on the side of the victory. She would add to Uranus's victory. Yep. Some of the things that we find out later on in the issue likely would not happen with her hand on the table. Correct. 
So he's got a bamfer away. As we have this epic drop-in shot. Prepare to die, X-Men. Ugh. T plus. I do love that. I like we're counting down to when he gets there, and now we're counting away that hour that he's got. He didn't even use it all. <laughs> nope. He does most of the work in the first 20 minutes. Title page, The Eternals. The Hour of Uranus, written by Al Ewing, art by Stefano Casali, colors by Federico Blee, letters and production, Ariana Maher. VCs, Ariana Maher. Federico Blee doing both of the colors on these two Judgment Day issues. Well, great work, because I love your colors, Federico. The hints of devastation. So if I'm reading this correctly, this is saying that only... 0.003% of Uranus's forces are committed at this point. And in within 30 seconds, they've killed 11.5 thousand mutants. Bananas. It like literally made me want to throw up when I looked at this page. There's so much of this issue. Like I felt so much reading this issue. I don't think I've ever felt this much reading a single comic. It was amazing. Some of it not great. Some of the feeling wasn't good, just seeing all this death and devastation. But it's still amazing to have that many feelings when you read something. Yes, you know? agreed. As we go on to the attacks around Arako, this worldview. You know, as we've gotten through X-Men Red, really, and some other comics, like gotten to really know Arako and the people and the different areas, when you see them broken down like this and you're watching each one of them get destroyed, it's so heartbreaking. It's so devastating. You know, especially like these are the artists. Right. The Marlins. Like, they're just trying to live and have a community. Yeah. As we see the ways that Uranus's forces come in, the amount of them everywhere. I'm glad that the small few named characters were spared in the end, or at least we hope. But still. The amount of community devastation, it's hard to celebrate this issue. Right. Because, yes, we do come out with some victory. Hopefully you've read the issue and you're not, you know, just experiencing it. Because this, if you're going to read any issue, this, is the, this one. is the issue. There's just so much to this attack. There's so many layers to it. So many things happening. Nightcrawler's distraction of Iska off the field. The destruction of the keep. The air shimmers. The air shimmers. Look. Legion's here. Well, first, Orisarada's got to get, you know, her eyeball knocked out. Yeah. First, we got to catch up with the main event. This aura, cable, and brand having literally no impact as the intensity that Uranus moves with. The ridiculousness of his forces to have an arm come out of the shimmering air and punch aura in the eye. Just take her right down. I love this. Let's take it outside. Mm-hmm. The intensity of this matchup. I'm I'm reading this issue as I was like I'm I'm in the dining hall and I'm reading this issue, just getting more and more hyped, just so excited. Like what what what? I was legitimately on the edge of my seat yeah. for most of it. Like like I said, I recorded myself and I like sat back on the couch and then I was literally like leaning forward like. What? What? Yeah, because at the same time, I have this hard rock in my stomach as more and more die. Right. Because they don't come back. Right. Like, that's the thing that's really crazy to me is, so this is it, essentially? Like, this is it for Arako? This is it for Arako's numbers. Because, you know, you do still have a fraction of, they're more comparable to Krakoa at this point. 
two percent are well, left. No, two percent in that area. All right. But they're starting to plan their strategy, right? Sobinar and Latuka sent to defend the land. So they live, right? They're they're out there protecting the world, the sea, the sky. There's no confirmed death of either of them. Okay, but I didn't see them alive either at the end. But sure, but they are they are not in this destruction field. They go through this portal that opens up here to defend the areas. We actually see Lactuka later on and we don't see Sabunar but we see his creatures, so he's commanding mm-hmm. them from somewhere else. Yes, true. And just the the feeling that I left Judgment Day number one with was a, an entirely destabilized Iraqi government. Oh, yeah, for sure. We've got an uncommon mutant circuit happening. Right. As Legion is already done for. And it looks like he had no impact as Uranus comes back. Which is just crazy. Like, all of these mutants that you think, they've got a shot, they've got a shot, they've got a shot. Like, no. It it just, almost to its fault, tells you how strong Uranus could be. Mm-hmm. Give me some metal. Okay, let me just vomit it up for you real quick. <laughs> all right, Dad. Again, the attacks around Araco. Brotherhood confirming Korra and Wrongslide in their membership as they're on this page. Yes, love it. Nova holding it down. Yeah, so when Storm went on her little adventure and then she was like, hey, Nova, I think you should see Araco. Here yeah. he is. And he's necessary for it. Sabanar's creatures trying to hold the line against Iska, but seemingly dying against her forces. Iska. Yeah. Well, you know, they can't beat her, so... They can only distract her. They can only take her away from the true battle as we get back. This. Oh, man. This. You're actually fighting me. It's such a taunting line. Yeah. My condolences. Right. For this For this being so personal. Let me just break out of my metal shell. Oh, this page. <laughs> and then just grab your heart. Oh, man. The feeling Rip that I had looking at this page. So. All right. So th- that. Is he grabbing his heart? I don't know because he says. Heart rending. Yeah. And we don't actually see. Like I zoomed in. We don't see a heart in his hand. We don't see. It's almost as though he's ripped through his chest and just spewed out a geyser of blood. Oh, whatever it is. I just know that I took like an actual pause, stared off into the distance and just. Yeah. I was like, no, no, because, you know. When we saw in Judgment Day, when we saw that image, I was like, no body, no proof. Right. Um, this moment for me was... The proof. The proof. The and potential I was proof. Not, I was not liking it. Cable bringing in the biggest of the guns. A gun that would eventually be outlawed because yeah. it's too deadly. I just I love that backstory on it and just how it does absolutely nothing. This is Tony Stark against Thanos on Titan, mm. only to get a drop of blood. Yeah. Totally. As, as Uranus is just smirking it off. <laughs> that all? And it's only been 13 minutes. Right. It's so ridiculous. I really do love the, the timetable here because it gives you just so much more of an intense feel of knowing right. how quickly this is all happening. You, you talk about stakes, right? We, we talk about stakes a lot in the comics. This gives you stakes. This gives you that pressure feeling throughout mm-hmm. the entire time. Because a lot of times when you, 
whether it's a comic, whether it's a movie, like when there's an epic battle like this, you you imagine that battle's taking hours, right? Right, right. This is taking minutes. Yeah, not even. Just the ways that each of them are too little, too late. You can actually see the number of them dying in the Morrowlands. Yeah. Zylo having literally no impact besides making him disgusted and upset. Nova is only just making progress, but it's not enough as people are still dying, fighting for their lives. If anything, this may be the thing that bands all mutants together, all remaining mutants, that is, you know, to see this devastation, to, to really team up and, and need to respond. Mm-hmm. This is how Krakoa and Arako get on the same page. It's a really terrible way for that to happen. Sure. I mean, it's the same thing that Druig is trying to do for the Eternals. Right. Honestly, I'm glad Bran dies. Yeah, sorry, <laughs> Abigail. Gotta go. No sad feelings for this. If anything, this may be the, the best part. <laughs> and no, then it's not. The Fisher King. Yeah. What is he gonna do? Like tag me in. What is he gonna do? He's just waiting. Right? So he, he's just ready. He is the empty hand that deals the impossible blow. The weaponless yielding the field. I just I love the detail in that. The impact that this is having on this proud warrior society to to leave and to fight another day. Mm-hmm. And then the really gunt wrenching moment of the issue. T plus twenty minutes. In the great ring, there is silence. Urano still has forty minutes left yeah so you're just like, hanging out you're just breathing 40 air 40 minutes to just annihilate the whole rest of Araco. 40 minutes to not check his work this reminds me of the zombie land double tap rule mm-hmm. you know xylos coming out of nowhere after we get our our revisit to the scene of uranus leaving and apologizing to lotus for hiding him, keeping him alive for another day. I just th- this this is a subtle dig into their philosophies versus mm-hmm. a, a heavy-handed discussion and interpretation of their philosophies. This mm-hmm. is I've done something that you might get offended about because it's who you are. I'm sorry. Right. And but the the smarts of saying, you know, that's what's so interesting, right? About Araco versus Krakoa or Iraqi mutants versus, you know, the mutants that we've known for so long is that they make their decisions tactically. Yeah. And so this was a tactical decision that even the retreat, like we're not going to win this battle, but we want to win this war. Right. So in order to do that, we have to pull back and we have to play dead and we have to, we have to make our enemy think they have won. We have to get mad. And, Whereas I think maybe if this was just the X-Men fighting, they would just fight until every last one of them was dead. Sure. You know, they have to make their stand. They have to push and they would never retreat. I don't know. That's just an assumption, but it just feels like that's a difference between their cultures is that they've been Iraqi is is so conditioned of, of how to be tactically. They've been in the long war. Right. Right. They've been in a war of this caliber of this devastation. So we assume Mm -hmm. maybe not, you know, Amenthi demons. Right. We don't know what kind of their strength strength or or was it just the volume of numbers? 
But the the most exciting thing for me as as we're getting through this page is the fact that things are in darkness, but Magneto's helmet is in color. And that for me is just it's pulling Promising. me through. It's keeping me going. It's it's giving me little glimmers of hope. Yeah. Or Serata has damage, but she's seen worse. She's gonna be okay. She's seen worse. No, with respect, Lotus. Such strategies are not a matter for the table dusk. This is war, a war we are losing. And so the seat of loss takes command. The hour of Magneto begins. Okay, but how? What is happening? Just, what is inside him? I, I tried to take a picture of just the amount of goosebumps that I had <laughs> when I saw this page. I, I just couldn't contain myself and, and wasn't able to get there fast enough. I just... You know, it's like, I don't understand it. I don't know how. How is he alive? Oh, wow. You had some real goosebumps. I'm telling you, they were all over my arms. I was just like sitting there, eating my lunch, fists in the air, just swearing out loud. like So happy. I mean, you think about it when we were reading that other issue and, and you're getting to this place of knowing that Magneto has given up his ability to be resurrected and he doesn't want to be resurrected. And he's such, he's Magneto. He's just going to kill Magneto. But then they do, they're just like, okay, well, we just stuck a fist through his chest. So what do you think is going to happen? You just do not expect this to happen. You just feel crushed and devastated. And then he's here. And not only is he here, but he's angry and he's motivated and he's got fire, literally like fire in his soul. Yeah. You know, but his like, what eyes, is the fire? In his soul? How lighting, is he alive? His eyes lighting up. I mean, we can talk about that because there are a handful of questions that get towards that. And I have some theories, but they're honestly just theories. And mm-hmm. I don't think we'll ever actually get the superhero science of it all. But big picture. What'd you think? I love this issue. I loved it. I thought it was. The, the countdown slash the timer situation really helps build those suspenseful moments. The cutting back and forth between the main battle and then all the little side devastation like really just helped, kept digging into the severity of what was going on. And, you know, only seeing the end result in Judgment Day and knowing the, the scope of Araco and just wondering like how could this war society be taken down right. in an hour and essentially in less than an hour. Minutes. Like, you know, it it was just such a juicy nugget that I needed and it was just epic and there were twists and turns, like this stuff with Iska and just like, you know, it's it's a testament to the storytelling when you can keep watching your team or your characters lose and lose and lose and lose and still want to keep turning the page yeah. and still want to know what happens next. Cause they gotta have some positive to end on. We have right. to have some glimmer of hope that brings us to the next issue, right? Cause right. This, this isn't the last issue. Right. This is issue three of judgment day, mm-hmm. right? Four, if you count Eve of judgment, which I don't really don't count it, but Holy crap. I, I don't know that I've, I've said it. I don't know that I've ever felt so many things from reading a single comic. Or, or even any comic 
Yeah. The suspense, the tragedy, the anger, the excitement. I Again, I had goosebumps all over myself. Mm-hmm. When I got to that last page, there was just so much going on. Yes. How are you feeling? I feel excited. And like whatever like feeling that like Vagnito has of like, I'm going to take them down. Like this made me like ready to just throw down with the Eternals. Like, yeah, I'm ready. Right. And also I, it was definitely a roller coaster of emotions because when going into it, I was like, there's no way they're going to really kill Magneto. And then I was like, oh my God, they did it. They killed Magneto. And then, oh, okay. Thank goodness. Yeah. I just, I feel betrayed by Iska. I feel invigorated by Magneto. I, I genuinely feel sadness for the Iraqi people. Oh, yes. And just how many of their number have been lost. It's interesting because I don't really feel that betrayed by Iska because I always didn't trust her. Sure. I mean, and that's the nature of her power. Right. But I guess it's just more my investment in her as a character. Right. Totally. Less so me recognizing that that's just who she is. You know? Right, right. But everybody connects to different characters. So I'm sure there are tons of people who feel as betrayed as you do. Right. It, it, we should have seen it coming because we literally were told that it happened before. <laughs> Art of Lucas wants to know, how is Magneto still alive? Lucas, we're questioning in the same way here's the thing i don't know but i'm not mad about it sure right <laughs> well i think it has something to do with strength of will and his ability to manipulate the iron in his blood mm. so he is he's literally using his powers to keep himself alive right now interesting and his fury is just fueling like, the, the fact that he, that statement of you are everything that I've fought against. You are everything that I've been working to to be able to stand up for. This is his thesis statement. This is why Magneto has lived and triumphed so much tragedy in his life before. And he's seeing it happen all around him. He's seeing it happen in this new council that he's found such respect and hope for of what could be the future. Yeah. And he does seem to have like some sort of orb inside him like so maybe he built some sort of like almost tony stark-esque orb of metal that's like inside his chest that's acting as a conduit for his powers through his blood or through his body or something yeah i I mean they have to explain it in some way maybe yeah I, i think it's it's him essentially trying to keep his heart together that, that that orb is his power, his his magnetic power that you might see surround himself as he was yep. flying yep. around, but just more localized internally. Interesting. And these strands, the same types of strands that we saw Uranus rip from him, that's his heart working mm-hmm. for whatever it has left. But like the- it looks like, I can't tell if... if- these metal like do you see these like little metal chunks that are flying like it seems like he's pulling bits of metal to himself to like like all these little bits in the air and there's like one like each off to the side of him kind of like floating around him yeah i mean that might be the magnetism of you know the the strength of i don't think he's ever used his powers to this degree right well he just keeps getting stronger and stronger sure chili Chili's Polis doesn't have a question, but wow, Mags is heated. Yeah, he is. As he should be. Yeah, he is. Ready for that hour. 
The Pikachu wants to know, what are we going to do about Iska? She's becoming a real liability for mutants. Get her out of here. How? I don't, I don't know. How do you get her out of here if she doesn't lose? You bet that she can't survive going into the sun and then the sun dies. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I know from looking at covers and reading solicitations, there's something coming. Mm-hmm. And I've posted the cover from Russell Dodderman of Storm vs. Iska. And obviously, you're not oh, going to come for Storm. Oh, man. But, yeah, we have to do something about Iska. And I don't know. Is it, do you just, like Nightcrawler did, do you take her off the board somehow? Do you, Yeah, I just, like, even that didn't really. It It's stifled. Right. But, but that's, it seems like that's the max of what you can do. Right. And so. Can she breathe in space? Can we just throw her in space? Can we? I don't know. Just bamf her to space and then. Right. Something will happen. She'll have to get herself out of it. Her power is that she can't lose. I just so, feel like there's some. So is some... winning, like is dying winning? Do you do you come up with something where like dying is the winning? That's, and then... that's what I'm going to say. What I was going to say of essentially the game that Sunspot was playing at. Mm-hmm. Right. How do you use her power against her? Yeah. How do you have something that is deeply personal toward her? And is that, again, we're all talking about Apocalypse and Genesis. Genesis is her sister. Is that something that you can play into mm. in that relationship, in that, that love for this other person to use against her? I don't know. Curls, all caps. I have so many feelings. Couldn't say enough good things about all the books this week. The writing, the art, just incredible. Agreed. Now, she's got some questions. If David is killed, will all his protection spells and, and enforcements be void? Broken? Honestly, like, yeah, exactly. Like, what happens to the altar? That's right. a great question because it lives inside his it's mind. It's in his mind. It's in his brain. And like, then what happens if you were inside it when he dies? Are you trapped in there? I don't know. Like, is... Is it still able to exist even if he may or may not be dead? Do we know that he's dead or did something else happen? Well, that it said we... he's gone. Right. Sure. We don't see him. I mean, we thought Magneto was gone last issue. Right. But it, the words Legion is gone. Right. Are said in this issue. Gone like he's not here or gone like he's dead? I think they mean dead. Well, that's but happened off screen. Didn't see it. Show me a body. She's also wondering about Uranus's power is it just having ships and weapons come out of the sky like a bulked up Hela mm. and his powers aren't well defined at the moment you know he is relatively new to my knowledge and we're still exploring it he's listed as being the strongest eternal which if you look at like Icarus's abilities and then just increase them at a ridiculous magnitude. Mm-hmm. So he has the ability to to shoot plasma, to shoot out of his eyes, to just be this extremely powerful, strong fighter. And then he's also got his arsenal. Right, because there has to be more to it than that because of the fact of all the things that he could take, like all the blows that he could take that didn't damage him. Right. Just the strength. Yeah, It, it can't just be the weapons. He, he's got to have... That's why I keep on going to, to Icarus, even to Thanos. Mm-hmm. The strength that, that that those characters have to just continue to fight, to yeah. continue to fight multiple other Eternals at once, magnified. Warlion wonders, what can't Magneto do? 
<laughs> he's controlled the biological systems of a celestial. He's had the ability to nullify Rogue's powers in Age of Apocalypse so that they can have a baby, and he can control his body's systems without a heart. He can do whatever he wants, yep. anything he wants. You know, I, I don't know if he has a heart or if he's manufacturing like he a doesn't. heart. Yeah, I feel like he made a heart out of metal. Right, which you can do. I mean, there's science precedent, artificial heart, right? right? That, that's not to say that what he has in his orb is not providing what he has in his chest is not providing the function of a heart. Right. So he has something that's keeping him alive. Right. And, and pumping blood into him. But it's it's being manipulated by some kind of pseudoscience that we don't know just yet. It's crazy. He's also wondering why Uranus killed Brand when she's technically on his side. Because he doesn't care. He doesn't First care. of all, he doesn't care. Second of all, he probably doesn't know. I don't think he knows. Yeah, that's layers of communication that I don't think reached. You know, and Brand's not on anybody's side but Brand's side. 100%. So there's also that. The degree that... Druig is working with Moira specifically, not necessarily Orcus. Right. And that Brand is aware or known as a player of Orcus. You know, there, there's That's layers a, of communications that are, are not reached. Yeah. And, and Uranus, he's been sitting in this cave. You know, he's been sitting in the exclusion for however long. He was told, go to Araco, kill. Kills, kill some people and come back. Stare at the sun. Breathe some air. Michael loves Mariah Carey, feels bad for Zylo, Sabonar, and Magneto's heart, but not Abigail Brand. Not Abigail Brand. I think Sabonar is okay. I think he's okay. I, you know, I hope he's okay. Mm-hmm. Also, we didn't see him die. True. We didn't see him die. Zylo is technically alive, just reduced in mass and memory. Mm-hmm. Right? So all the experiences, the history of the Iraqi people were lost because of that physical memory of his body and then magneto's heart uh, you know what even is that as we continue to talk about he, he's unlocking his next form yeah vader reno has me praising the memory of tarn <laughs> do we think the outcome on Araco would have been any different if tarn was still there would uranos have been able to deal with his powers and would tarn have even done anything in the first place I think Tarn would have done something. Sure. But I don't know that he would have been able to affect anything much differently than what happened. Well, especially you think about you think about Legion and mm-hmm. the amount of powers that he has access to. Right. The reality manipulation, maybe the lack of control over the different personalities and the powers that he's got, but it's an interesting question because because of the craziness and wild card nature of Tarn. Right. And and the way that so often Tarn took down his opponents. But if you think about all of the powerful mutants who went up against Uranus altogether even, not even one by one, and the, he wasn't affected like at all. It just is hard for me to believe that Tarn would be able to that Tarn is the key, you know? Right. But, you know, it, it's the, the nature of his powers mm-hmm. to affect the genes, the genomic mage that he is, mm-hmm. is that does that have some ability to take away some of Uranus's power? Maybe there is the, the consideration that, you know, our Eternals 
more machine than man. Right. Right. You know, is that affecting the potential to be manipulated? I don't know. And and I think Tarn at the end of the day is always going to look out for himself and, and always going to look out for what's going on around him. Mm-hmm. Would he have joined Iska? I don't know. Oh, woof. Especially if Iska's going to turn and he's going to see that. I think he might Yeah, have. he would have been like, bye, I'm going with Iska. Yeah, I'm on this side now. I mean, I'd love to believe that if they hadn't killed Tarn that he could have saved the day and that's sort of like the kicker of like, you should have saved Tarn. I but, yield. No. Praise Tarn. But I don't, I don't know. Interesting to think about. Yeah, that's a great question. What a week. What a week indeed. Highs and lows, apparently. Was... Roller coaster of emotions for sure. I was I was here for it. Yeah. What do we got next week? I don't know. You haven't told me yet. I, well, how could I remember? We've got two that I'm not sure we're talking about. Okay. And one that we're definitely talking about. Okay. Miss Marvel and Wolverine number one. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think that'll tie into the Krakoan era just because it looks like it takes place on Krakoa and it exists with mutants that we know. And then X-Men Legends number one, the the second series of it, which we didn't really cover X-Men Legends previously. No, we didn't. Only the Claremont issue because you wanted to check it out. Yeah. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see how we feel. We'll see. We'll also be on vacation, so no promises. Yeah, so who knows what's going to happen. But the big one, Judgment Day number two. Oh, snap. That's to take stock in what we've just learned and then mix it up even further. Yeah, that's exciting. I'm really excited to see how that then outlines what could come after that. For sure. You also have something that... I have a Captain Carter. Number five. Good thing I haven't read number four yet. (laughs) And I have Amazing Spider-Man number seven, hopefully diving into this mystery that is Peter Parker's life. Mm. Well, vacations for me to catch up on comics and other books. Yeah, I'm almost done with that other Ben Percy book that I've been reading. Ooh. I really enjoy his novels. Yeah, I, I'm i sure once I get to reading them, I'm going to enjoy them as well. <sighs> I say this with the fire of a thousand suns until next time, old friend. The hour of Magneto. But you still have to say it. Charles. <laughs> thanks so much for joining us today on the ex-wife podcast be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends the ex-wife podcast is produced in providence rhode island by alicia and justin our music is by kwan 